What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Finance for Physicians podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wren. Join me as we dig into what it looks like for physicians to begin using their finances as a tool to live better lives. You can learn more about our resources at financeforphysicians.co. Let's jump into today's episode. What's up, guys? Continuing on with the theme of last time, we're going to be talking about downturns in the market. So we talked about last time how to navigate a scary investment market, and I gave you some some tips on actions you, you can take. I think the big takeaway from that conversation was making sure you have a solid financial plan that includes an investment plan. If you don't have one of those, that's important to create first. And it's always good to consult your financial plan, especially when things get dicey and emotional, like they are in scary markets. And try to avoid making changes or taking action actions based on things that are out of your control and emotions that come into play. So definitely check that out if you hadn't listened to that uh, as a precursor to this. So today we're going to be digging in a little bit more into what those market downturns have looked like historically. I think this is part of the education component. Understanding what this looks like or what this has looked like in the past is is really helpful. It has been for me. Of course, we can't predict the future, but we do know what history has looked like. So we'll talk about what that has looked like historically so that you can have a little bit more of that education and be better armed to navigate it you know, as this type of thing happens again in the future. Okay, so we're going to be referring to a few sources today to, to give you guys some hard data. And so I'll link to the stuff that we mentioned today in the show notes. Uh, they have uh, pulled together some of these numbers and concepts. And uh, so definitely check those out. And so we'll link to any of those sources, as I mentioned. Uh, but the first concept I wanted to talk about was making sure to have a long view. So we talked about it last time in the last episode about having a financial plan and making sure you tie your goals to your actions. So with investing, if you have a long-term goal, you want to, you know, that's where investing can work really well because investing is a long-term thing. Like you, you should not be investing for short-term goals. So using that uh, approach, you want to, it's not about the short term. Like if you're looking at the short term, that's not really the right view for something that's not going to be needed until the long term. So also looking at the investment data, the the short term has been relatively unpredictable. So the first uh, source that I wanted to look at was um, probabilities of how the market is done based on different timeframes. So uh, the source that I have here is, is a, a Wealth of Common Sense uh, blog. This is a blog uh, from Ben Carlson, and he's uh, he's uh, very much into uh, investing and gets into some of the weeds of investing. If you're interested in that, this is a good blog to check out. But he's a smart dude uh, and writes a lot about this type of stuff. But anyway, he wrote a blog a while back that uh, where he shared the probability of positive versus negative returns uh, based on different slices of time. 
And he looked at the entire period from 1926 to 2015 of the S&P 500, which is the 500 largest stocks in the U.S. And he looked at, like, for varying slices of time, like, was it positive or negative? So first he looked at daily slices of time. So for every day over that entire 1926 to 2015 time period, how many days were positive versus how many were negative? So positive was 54% and negative was 46%. So basically uh, a day in owning the S&P 500, it's almost a coin flip, slightly better than a coin flip. It's better than going to the casino, better than a lottery ticket, but not great, especially for your life savings. Um, so that's part of the problem. Like when you're looking at it daily, it's just not, I mean, half the time, close to half the time it's down. And there can be, you know, it's it's just unpredictable. Now, when you go to quarterly, it's 68% positive and 32% negative. Uh, one year uh, slices of time over that entire 1926 to 2015 time frame, it was 74% positive and 26 negative. And five-year period was 86% positive and 14% negative. So the, basically, the further out you go, it increases that positive percentage to the point where at 20 years, it's 100% positive. Um, I think probably he, he has 10 years as well at 94% positive, but so, it's got to be somewhere in, in between 10 and 20 years, which he did not calculate. But somewhere in between there, uh, I would guess it's uh, hitting 100% before 20 years. But uh, the takeaway is like the longer you go out, the higher your odds of getting a 100% outcome, uh, positive returns, no matter which slice of time you look at. So the key is to take that long view and tie it to long goals. And really, you shouldn't worry about the short term because it is, it's more like a coin flip. What you need to focus on is the long term. The next concept I wanted to hit on was timing. So I think a common concern is like, well, what if it's not the right time? So maybe you're, you know, investing at the worst possible time. So, and you just don't realize it, or maybe you're worried that it's the worst possible time. So the video that I will link to talks about, it's a hypothetical example based on the actual returns of the market. So this looks at, uh, they call it, uh, or they call him Bob, the story of Bob. So Bob, the worst uh, market timer. So anyway, they, they share Bob's journey as an investor who basically times his investments at the worst possible time, but he buys at the peak of the market right before it tanks. And it, sh it shows you what, how things turn out for him over the long period of time. So the where where Bob messes up is he worries about it and ends up investing when everything feels great. And typically that sometimes happens at the peak. So basically he has bad luck and times it the worst possible time possible every single time. And so he does that bad, but the good thing is he keeps his market, he's he keeps his money in the market and does not... Uh, change it. So you'll see from the video, it, it things still work out pretty well, actually really well for him because he holds his money in there long term. And it's that's the important thing. Like I mentioned in the first point is that you got to take a long view. It has to be 
you know, a buy, buy and hold sort of approach. And ideally, you're not trying to time it. That's the mistake he made. A much better approach is to remove that decision from the equation. You should not be trying to predict when the best time is to put it in in this short-term period of time. Going back to the first point, like we don't really know what it's going to do in the short period of time. So you kind of just have to invest based on your own circumstances. And it's generally best just to put it in, you know, systematically over time. And so, you know, maybe you're investing monthly at the same time every month. Ideally, you remove the the emotion and the decision-making from the equation and you systematize it and it just happens and you don't have to worry about this whole timing thing because most people that start to try and worry about the timing thing tend to get it wrong. Like they, they tend to gravitate towards this example of Bob, like timing it terribly. So that's Bob. Uh, the, the next uh, example I wanted to look at was the reverse scenario. Like, well, what if you're uh, investing at the worst possible time when the market feels terrible? So the Bob scenario was like he was investing only when it felt great and when the news was great, but what turned out to be the worst possible time. So this example is looking at what if you invested when we looked back and we knew it was terrible. So the bottom of the market, what if you're investing at the worst possible time in reality? Maybe you don't know it at the time, but it's the bottom of the big market downturn. So I'll, you can look at all the examples. This, this uh, piece that I'll share is from um, Franklin Templeton, but uh, you, you can look at the, there's four examples in it, but I'll just talk about the most recent one, which is 2007 to 2009. They all have the same sort of uh, takeaway, but the, that was the big housing crash crisis in 2008. In, in that particular downturn, from the peak down to the, the trough, the uh, S&P 500 index uh, went down just over 50%. It was a uh, 50.95%. Uh, check out the PDF link for all the details on that. And then the disclaimers are in there too. So definitely read those. But that was the 2008 crash from peak to trough. Uh, then they look at what if you invested at that bottom point? The thing is, like, if, like, looking back, you're like, oh, yeah, duh, that's a great time to invest. But, like, if you were, investing in that period of time, you would know, well, if you were looking at it objectively and investing in that period of time, you would know that it was a, it felt like a terrible economy. Like everything was negative. Like it, it just didn't, didn't feel like a good time. So most people, a lot of people, the world was telling you not to invest. But if you had invested at that bottom of the market, one year after your your returns cumulative return was uh, 53.62% and then 5 years after was 137.49 and then 10 years after was 367.39%. So the takeaway is, you know, these downturns, you know, it goes down fast and feels super scary, but a lot a lot of times people don't realize how fast it recovers and how, you know, quickly we can get back to 
where we started. And oftentimes in the scariest point in time is actually when it's, you know, a fantastic point in time to invest. Same sort of thing as I mentioned in the first point. I think the takeaway is you don't want to try to time it. Now, when it, if you're, but if you do happen to uh, have extra money, like if you're going to be timing it, like lower, when, when it's gone down, it's actually a better time to invest. But at the end of the day, you know, you want to have your dollars working for you and make sure you're investing that based on your financial plan and not based on, you know, where you're predicting the market might go. Uh, We don't really know what the short term is going to do. And these sorts of things happen. It's just, it's very difficult to predict in the moment. Um, I think the temptation, though, is in in that bad market is to, to maybe stop investing. So you definitely don't want to do that. And even, or I guess a different temptation or an, if you're sometimes people that have even more fear might even be tempted to bail out. So I think that's probably the most important thing to try to avoid is if you basically, if you had bailed out at that bottom in 2008, you're missing out on all that upside and recovery. And you're basically cashing all your chips in at the worst, worst, worst possible time. So if anything, you know, do do not go down that path. Really, you should be, you know, continuing to invest based on your plan. So there, there is a temptation to uh, move away from the pain. It does feel painful when things are down, but you want to avoid that temptation and look at something like this piece I'll share with you. And remind yourself how quickly things return to normal. And typically, when it feels like it's the worst period of time, oftentimes it's you know the the best period of time uh, to invest. The next concept, which is in the same PDF that I was just referring to, is this whole idea of like, well, you know, oftentimes when it's really really bad, or when you just feel unsure about things, it's like, well, I'll just sit out for a few days or. I'm just going to give it a few months. I'm going to stop investing for a few months or go to cash for a few months and let the dust settle or something along those lines. So this visual, this chart looks at the S&P 500 again, and it looks at 20-year periods ending December of 2021. And it looks at uh, if you're fully invested for that period of time, the return you you would have had for that period of time is 9.46%. But if you had excluded the 10 best days or 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 or 100 best days, so it's basically looking at if you had excluded X number of days from 10 to 100, what would that have done to your returns? So just missing out on the, so 10 days out of a 20-year period of time, if you had missed out on 10 of the best days, it knocks your return down by down to 5.27%. If you'd missed the 40 best days, it knocks your return da- down to negative 1.57%. And if you'd missed the 100 best days, it knocks your return down to negative 10.06%. So basically, you don't want to miss out on those good days, but the problem is the days are really, really difficult or pro- really impossible actually to to predict. So you kind of have to be invested fully for that entire period of time to get the maximum return. 
And uh, I think that that's important, a, a very important takeaway. Sitting out for a few days, that doesn't work out well in the end. Uh, it's, it's much, much harder to know when to get back in. And oftentimes you start missing out on these good days and it's like now all of a sudden it's too high to, to get in and you know at least that's what you tell yourself so so that you don't want to start going down that path i think the other big temptation with any big story like this is to start you know tracking with the news it's just it's just tempting to i mean that's a lot of times where people go for their information and maybe it's like not the news like on tv but like maybe you're going to social media or wherever you're getting like your information but like let's just call this like information like financial information to go to your sources of financial information and get get the word from them so the problem with the general financial information out there is it's a terrible predictor of the future so this uh, visual is kind of cool it goes through it's the same piece from uh, franklin templeton um, it's a really good piece because it hits on all these concepts. But this goes through a l really long period of time. So this is going all the way back to 1972. And it goes through some of the big news stories and how the market behaved over uh, those periods of time. And it's looking at the Dow Jones Industrial Index, which is is a pretty good measure of the market. It's not my favorite, but it's still an okay measure of the market. But anyway, you can see what tends to happen is the worse the news gets, the better time it is to invest. Uh, so like in 2020, I mean, that's the recent one everybody remembers, unemployment in the, pa the pandemic, it was like unemployment is at the highest rate since the Great Depression. Um, I think that was the big financial news story. And there was a lot of talk of just recession and all that stuff. So it's like who in their right mind would want to invest when all so and those news stories get more amplified the more the further it goes down. But it's actually like if you go back in history and you look back, that's actually the better time to invest versus like just a year before there wasn't really much of any news uh, or at least you you know, there wasn't big time headlines about the m markets like there were in March of 2020. And so the, it's almost like the bigger the headlines get, the worse it is to invest. I'm sorry, the better it is to invest. So it's the reverse of what you would think it would be. It's like when the news says uh, don't invest, at minimum, continue investing. That's that's the important thing, because you don't want to get into this whole timing cycle like I've already mentioned like a million times um, and I'll continue to mention because it's important. Uh, you don't want to get into this uh, trying to time the market mentality. It's super easy to get into, but like we don't know what the future is going to hold, especially for short period of time. So you just got to systematize it. And the news is especially terrible. It's going to be, but it is a big temptation that can pull you away from like systematizing this and trying to time the market. So the temptation is going to be like things start to get negative. The news starts to tell you it's negative. Like right now, it's getting negative. The news is saying it's negative. Inflation is high. Like everybody's, we're going for a recession. The markets, the, the war, all this stuff. 
and you're going to be feeling a little temptation to say, Let, maybe I should stop investing my monthly investment and because it's going down. But definitely you don't want to stop that systematized approach based on your plan. That would be a bad move. It's, you know, especially based on the news, like they're terrible at this stuff. And you can see from history, it's like very much shown through history over and over and over again that they're terrible predictors of the market and it's best to not like make decisions based on what you're seeing in the news. Uh, you can also see this with like, my favorite example is uh, uh, cryptocurrency because uh, it seems like cr uh, cryptocurrency is, it's like everybody starts talking about how good it is when, as the price goes up, people talk about how good it is. And as the price goes down, people talk about, they question it. It's like, but it's the reverse of how it should be. I mean, not that I'm endorsing cryptocurrency, but like just people talking in the news are typically, they're a good representation of human nature, but a bad representation of what actually happens. You know, the important takeaway, like I said, is, is, you know, not trying to time this stuff because it's incredibly, it's impossible. It's just, it's just not possible. I think another common thought that comes, it creeps into the equation when markets get dicey that I'll talk through before we wrap up today would be this alternative that's creep, creeping into the equation. So oftentimes, and, and we hear this from clients and I've felt like this temptation with my own finances, but clients will ask us on occasion, like, well, what about XYZ alternative? Like cryptocurrency or I bonds or real estate or GameStop stock is an example that was, you know, popular a few years ago or, or maybe investing in gold. Oftentimes those will come up. And so normally I think the question is to ask, like, where is that coming from? Normally it's presented like as an all, uh, alternative or diversification or some sort of reasonable approach uh, as a good investment. So it's a little different than what we've talked about so far. It's not uh, necessarily getting out of investments. It's not really necessarily timing investments. And it's more of like changing what you're invested in. Typically, if you peel back the layers, it's based on some fear, like underlying fear of whatever your primary investment is. Uh, and sometimes it's like FOMO, like fear missing out, you know, everybody else is doing it kind of a thing. But a lot of times it's just like, uh, you know, fears of investments going down or, you know, not being as productive as the alternative. So lately, the probably most common thing that's coming up is I-bonds. So investments have been going down uh, as of this recording and inflation has been going up. So an I-bond is really the only thing that mimics or is pinned at inflation. It's a government bond that is, it pays exactly what the inflation rate is. And so I bet I bonds are, you know, the best possible inflation paying invest in investment that keeps up exactly with inflation. So like when inflation is high and investments are terrible, it starts to look more appealing. So like I said, typically what happens is people are having greater fear with their investments uh, as they go down because they're 
worried maybe they're not going to do as well, especially the further down they go. And then the further up inflation goes, they're thinking that's a better alternative. So the temptation is to switch from investments to I-bond, just this example, whatever, you can use any example. The problem is it's based on short-term view and fear. So if you, like I said, if you peel back the layers, it's this fear of like the market is not not going to do as well. And it's looking at this slice of time or really just not thinking about the long term. So it, if you're investing, it should be for long-term goals. You have to remind yourself, it's, it's why it's important to re remind yourself like, what is the purpose of the money? And, um, you know, what's the goal and the purpose? So it should be long-term, some sort of long-term goal. Otherwise it should not be invested. So, uh, it, and if it is long-term, you have to keep that long view in mind that I've been referring to. So all this alternative stuff I've been talking about, at least so far is like kind of based on this short-term view and like short-term fears. So if I look historically at inflation and historically at investments, I think that's the best reminder of how these things work. Sorry, long-term inflation and long-term investments is a good reminder. If you look at short-term, it's very emotional, prone to driving you to be fearful. Because right now, inflation is high, investments are doing bad. But long-term, like investments will, uh, you know, re uh, recoup and long-term inv investments have, you know, considerably outpour outperformed inflation over like all periods of time if you look at a long enough period of time. Uh, so inflation uh, or I-bonds, for example, is, a, is not a great long-term investment. I think the key is to re uh, consult your plan your financial plan, what are the goals, um, focus on your situation and avoid uh, this temptation to make changes to different things that are not in line with your goals and your purpose. Because that's the issue usually with these alternatives and really all these different concerns or fears around the market. Uh, the issue is that you're moving away potentially from uh, what the best route is for your goals. And so you want to really keep that focus on that. At the end of the day, short-term markets are very unpredictable and you got to be careful not to tie that to a short-term need. You're, you shouldn't be using uh, investments for short-term goals. And so don't let those short-term markets knock you off track. Make sure that those investments are or remind yourself those investments are tied to long-term goals. And you got to take that long view because uh, long-term markets are far less volatile and will, you know, really do well for you. Uh, history is such a great uh, reminder of that. And if, if you look back and you spread it out over a long enough period of time, those numbers start to look really solid. Even if, like we talked about today, even if you're timing it at like the worst point in time possible, things will tend to work out and flatten out 
if we can extend that slice of time over a long enough period of time. And I think that's the key is, you know, really taking that long view. And as I said several times, like focusing on your plan, your goals, and not on these external factors and fears that, that inevitably crop, crop up in our world uh, from day to day or week to week or month to month. All right, guys. So uh, that's it for today on market history and market factors. So next time we'll be talking a little bit about some of these behavioral tendencies and bias we have uh, as humans. And so we'll go through some of these. I think these are super interesting. We're all prone to them and they can really cause some problems in our world, particularly in investing and and personal finance. So we'll look forward to talking about that next time. As always, thank you so much for joining us today. If you found this valuable, please give us a review on iTunes and share with a friend. Also check out our website at financeforphysicians.co for all sorts of additional content. See you next time. Finance for Physicians is not an investment, tax, legal, or financial advisor. All content included in this podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be considered financial tax or legal advice. Material presented is believed to be from reliable sources and no representations are made by Finance for Physicians as to another party's informational accuracy or completeness. All information or ideas provided should be discussed in detail with an advisor, accountant, or legal counsel prior to implementation. If you don't have an advisor or would like a second opinion, feel free to check out our website for recommended advisors.